Uh, so I just wanted to share a little bit with you this morning. And Well, first I want to tell you something that will set you totally free if you can really hear it. Okay, this, will, this really will. Um, is God only asks you to do one thing. That's to obey Him. Now that sounds real simple, but uh, I've been a Christian, be 30, 30 years in a few weeks, and that has been uh, about a month ago. Bob Jones said to me, Byron, all God requires of you is for you to obey Him. And that got down into my spirit, and it liberated me in a, in a way that I haven't been liberated. And there's a rest that comes with obeying God. In other words, you can obey God, and you, you've done all God's asked you to do. You don't have to really concern yourself with the results or anything. It's freeing. It really is. It'll free you. Everybody thinks about obeying God as sort of as a burden. It really is opposite. That's the, the lie that the enemy's given people, that obedience is some difficult, terrible thing. It's really not. It's freeing. It will free you to obey the Lord. Um, and the other thing that's really just this morning, uh, listen to that song, is, Lord, I need you, is I feel like I, lead, I need the Lord more today than I ever have in my entire life. I mean, the longer I feel like I go to the Lord, the more I feel like I need Him. And I just feel like there's such a pleasure in living like that. that it's, it's, a ple- it's God's pleasure when we just say, Lord, I just really need you. I, I don't necessarily know. I've, I've heard some of these uh People talk about, you know, get some kind of crazy thought in their mind about their relationship with God that you don't, you know, that you don't, it's like they're so spiritual they don't even need God anymore. It's, it's almost like they're communicating that. Have you heard, if you know what I'm saying, you hear that and like, well, you know, we don't need to go to God with our needs necessarily, blah, blah. We do have needs, but blah, blah, blah. It's like, what the heck kind of Christianity is that? It's not in the Bible. I think the longer you go to the Lord, the more needy you become. The more, real, the, the more you reveal how needy you are. And it's, it's wonderful to be needy to the Lord. It's freeing. It's, it's a joy. God wants to set people free to need Him. And, to, and not get so mature that you don't need the Lord. Because that is not, that's a lie from hell, if there ever was a lie from hell. So, uh, well, you know, I was shared earlier, this, this is, I was supposed to preach this a month ago, and uh, thank God I didn't, okay? <laughs> because I really wouldn't have, uh, well, at the time I thought what I had was the Lord. And it probably was, but last night I was just asking the Lord about this, and I just didn't feel good. I don't know. Sometimes you just don't feel like, this is not it, Lord. This is not it. And so I just... But, Lord, I don't have any, you know, this is not it, but, uh, duh, I'm too dumb to get, come up with anything better, so I'm going to bed and go to sleep and not concern myself with it. But this morning when I woke up, I, I saw a face. And, you know, it's just, I knew it was the face of the Holy Spirit, or the face of the Lord, for those of you who say that the Holy Spirit has no face, but uh, He is God, and God does have a face. He just can't, we can't see Him. But what I saw, I saw this face, and I saw it was behind me. That's what I saw. And I saw, I knew it was the Lord, and uh, I knew He was sort of coming. That face started coming towards me, and, it, and I just said, "Yes, Lord, I knew." And He came. It's like that face came into the back of my head and came into me, and I knew the Lord was just releasing His mind to me, uh, the mind of Christ, uh, just letting it be released 
and that was just a picture he was giving me to help me see what was he was trying to do at that moment. And so, you know, just get up and have the mind of Christ here this morning, and know that whatever you know what God's got to, to show you is, is is what God wants to say to us today. Uh, so, I've been preaching out of Matthew's uh, six nine through eleven. He put that up, Drew. Uh, so the Lord's Prayer, and <clears throat> you know, I told some. I, I told some. I want to tell y'all this. <laughs> this is funny. I told somebody yesterday. I said, um, you know, I really want our our church to change. And they said, again. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> I said, yeah. Well, what do you want to do to it this time, <laughs> or something like that? And I said, well, this is what I really want what my real heart is. I, just, I want to get rid of stuff that's just man stuff and just really find out how would the Lord do a church if he was doing a church today? Really? I mean, how would he do that? You know, because I think we have so much stuff that's really not the Lord. Um, and I have no clue, you know, how to outwork him. But I know, I think this is one way that the Lord's been speaking to Becky and I is the church has become such a subculture in our society. And that really what it is. It's not a counterculture. And I think it should be a counterculture, really. Um, these men have turned the world upside down. And I think somehow or another, Lord, help us to not be just a subculture. Help us be a counterculture. You know, you can go into churches, and any church, this church, and there's a certain culture in that church. And... I just don't want that, Lord. I mean, I know we have to have a culture in a sense, but I just don't want something. I don't want to spend my life doing something that's not real. I don't want to spend my life doing something that's just, just another culture that we've developed. And it's sort of exuding our personality. Uh, and it's really not exuding the personality of the Lord. And So that's what I want to do. I want to ch- in, in, you know, however God does that. So yes, Lord, change us and help us to conform more into the image of Christ. Not only individually, but as a corporate body. Uh, but this is the great prayer in the Bible. Uh, you know what? Some people said this is the, you know, well, this is not the Lord's prayer. This is the disciples' prayer. <laughs> I probably even said that. I'm realizing, well, heck, he prayed it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I guess it is his prayer. He prayed it. It's, it's a good prayer. Uh, it says this, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just tremendous stuff there, but we're going to not hang around with that. I'd like to, though. I, that's awesome. That's what God's doing. Your, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what God's wanting to do in all of our lives. He wants to show himself as our Father. He wants us to really worship him in spirit and truth. But... But he also, God is, is concerned about our natural, physical life. I mean, very concerned about those things. God's put us in a, in a material world. He's, he's placed us in, this is a material world we live in. And he's concerned about this material world and how we live and how the material affects us and how the material relates to the spiritual because they are connected. You cannot disconnect the material from the spiritual. The orders, the spiritual is, is what God wants us to put our focus on and seek. Seek first the kingdom, 
you know, but he really wants us to understand we have to live in this world, and he wants to connect it to you. You can't divide the two. It just can't be, be divided. So that's really uh, what this part of the prayer, it begins here. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, forgive us. Uh, Lord, deliver us from evil. Lord, lead me not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. So those, this is part of what God, this is, a part, this is the part for us in the sense, all of it's really for us. It's all, you know, God, whatever God does for himself, he does for us. But this is the part he really wants to get down into our lives, into our natural, everyday, physical, material lives. He wants to get into that part of our lives and, and give us what, he, what we need to live this life. And he's, he's promised these things. And so the first thing that I felt that the Lord showed me on this was to give us no one is exempt. No one is exempt. You never get so spiritual that these things are not issues to you. It just will not happen. I don't care the most spiritual people in the world. They, you're not exempt from dealing with... Paul the Apostle lived in a rented house in Acts 28, it says. Lived in a rented house. Somebody had to pay that rent. Okay? He had to get money from somewhere to pay his rent. Jesus was asked to pay taxes. Somebody had to come up with the cash. Now, we know one time he got it out of a fish, but we don't know all the other years how, where he got it from. So, you know, Jesus had to wear clothes. Jesus had to eat food when he was on this earth. Every one of us in this room has got to wear clothes. Trust me, go naked one day out in the pub and see what happens. You're going to make everybody sick, number one. <laughs> and then you're going to jail for indecent exposure. I can just see the headlines now. Don Casperson arrested for indecent exposure. <laughs> I'm picking on Don. <laughs> but it's embarrassing to think that way even. You know? Um, one of the things the Lord has spoken to me real strongly in the last couple months was, and I'll just, I may have said this to you all, but I'll remind you, uh, how we deal with these things are going to affect us on the spiritual level. The Welsh Revival was led by a man named Evan Roberts. He was a young man. And he had a powerful anointing, a divine anointing on his life. So powerful that this anointing just seemed to carry him. But Evan, uh, in the middle of what God was doing, he would not sleep. He would, he would sleep maybe two hours a night. And everybody was telling him, you need to sleep. You need to rest. I don't need to. The anointing is so strong on me. Guess what happened to Evan Roberts? Evan Roberts had nine breakdowns. Nine breakdowns. Because his body, my body, your body, no one's body is exempt from sleeping. You just, you're going to have to sleep. You're going to have to take care. And guess what? It derailed. The Welsh revival was derailed because this man refused to take the counsel of godly people and rest his body, get rest, and eventually... At, the, at one point in his life, this is what the, man, the, the guy said, I have, no re, I have no understanding of what God has placed me on this earth for. That's what he said. This is the guy who started a, a revival that's famous. But you go study the Welsh Revival and study the Azusa Street, Street Revival and you will see a, see a stark difference between the two. The Azusa Street Revival has had much more fruit than the Welsh Revival. They, they say you can't even find out there was, was a revival. You see what I'm saying this morning? You've got to rest. You've got to take care of your body. You've got to sleep. You can't separate the spiritual and the natural. You can't do it. You break these laws that God has put in place, and you're going to pay. And, he, and we all paid. So 
that's just a great example. That's one of the things I try to tell people to do is, is not get so carried away and think you're so spiritual that you can't take care of the natural things in your life. That's a big mistake. Uh, and another thing that really this is that, that God really is, he, he is very interested in your practical life, real interested in what you do with your life on a practical level. Okay? God has an interest in that. That's why he put this stuff in the Bible. Now, I wanted to give you a definition that I borrowed from Martin Luther. who, And this is an old definition, almost 500 years old. He wrote this definition in 1529 of what daily bread means. I think it's pretty, pretty interesting. <laughs> I started reading. I said, no way they <laughs> concerned themselves with stuff like this in 1529. He wrote, what does daily bread mean? Everything that nourishes our body and meets its needs, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes. Did they even wear shoes back then? Houses, yards. Think about it. In 1529, people were concerned about their yard. Okay? Fields, cattle, money, possessions, a devout spouse, devout children, devout employees, devout and faithful rulers, Good government, peace, health, discipline, honor, good friends, faithful neighbors, and other things like these. Now, that's a great definition of daily bread. In other words, it pretty much covers the gamut of our everyday life and things that concern every one of us and things that every one of us have got to deal with in our life at some point in time. And so what, what we're seeing here is that God wants... And this is what I see in this... God wants to release favor in these areas of our life. That God is interested in blessing us in the natural realm of our life. There's this favor that God has for His children. Just like natural parents, we have a, a favor towards our, our, our family, uh, and we want to give them that favor, and we should. And God has that same favor that He wants to release to people on the natural things. Our possessions, our cattle, our yards. Uh, Etc. I wanted to read uh, something that Matthew had probably shared earlier this year. He, I think he did share this one. Uh, Dutch Sheets gave like a dozen prophetic words for 2006. And this is, uh, in, you need to get those things and go back and read them and be astonished at what's happening around us. Those words are, those are serious words. I mean, we need to pay attention. We're seeing little elements of those words coming to pass maybe not necessarily right in our own lap but we're seeing it and I'm, we need to take these things seriously and this is what he said concerning favor this is a year of favor and disfavor Okay, what you have prayed for, plowed for sown into, longed for cried out for what you have seen but not been able to taste what you have fasted for wept over, this is the year of favor his favor will be seen on your family Business, finances, and physical body. Now, that's the Lord's intent for us. And what we really need to understand, that has always been the Lord's intent for us. And not just in 2006, but God's trying to get the church to see what He's really like. That he's a, He is not a stingy God. He's not a holdback God. He's a God that really wants to release favor to His, his family. And so, he's, and so He's using people to say, this is a year of favor. God wants to give favor. And not in the, and he's not really saying God's always not wanting to give favor. He's always wanted to do it, but he's trying to emphasize to you and I to get our faith in a place where we will believe for favor, we will seek the favor of God in our life. 
Now, just to be fair to Dutch and, and go ahead and say the rest of his thing, you know, he did mention disfavor. And I think it's important for us to hear about disfavor. Although I didn't know there was such a name, uh, a thing as disfavor, uh, you know, disconnect, uh, disfavor, not favor. You know, uh, you know that people say not. Uh, actually, that's an engineering term. People didn't really know that. There's a thing called a not gate. It's a not. It's in a computer. A not gate. I'm not going to try to explain all that to you, but it's really the truth. What I'm telling you. Uh, not well, so not was something engineers knew about way before teenagers started using it. You know. Uh, but anyway, he says this is a year that he will no longer allow people to ride the fence. Uh, y'all, woo! He will no longer allow people to ride the fence. He will draw a line in the sand and make them decide who they are and what they stand for. Come on. Who they are and what they stand for. I've been challenged on that. We need to know who we are in the Lord and what we stand for and, and get with, you know, and, and go for that. The political games in the church will be judged. For those who refuse to flow with current revelation and resist it, you will see them come into disfavor. Now, here's, here's, here's how you take that. Whatever revelation God has given you, whatever He has revealed to you as truth, that's what you're responsible for. You're not responsible for something else He hasn't spoken, hasn't clearly revealed to you. You're responsible for what you know to be the truth, and you're not walking in it. And that's how you get into this thing called disfavor. That's how you cut off God's blessing in your life. Is by not walking in what you know God expects for you to walk in and is crying out for you to walk into. All right, some ministries and churches will lose their favor this year. Others will be raised up and given, and, and given more influence. It's a year of dismantling that which is built that is not bringing Him glory and a year of great building for others. The landscape of the church will change this year. So the Lord wants to bless. That's His heart. It's to bless and raise up, to give you and I influence to raise us up. But we have to connect with Him. We have to be with Him. We've got to believe that. We've got to get over this bad attitude about God being a, a stingy father. Are y'all with me on that? I think this is really important. Anyways, I used up all that time uh, to just kind of show that, share those things because I think they're, they're important. Um, but really, this is the thing I really feel I really want to get you. Get, get after you about this morning and I really do mean get after you because I think this is important is that word daily okay daily give us this day our daily bread this day hey not tomorrow baby I need something today okay I need something right now I don't need to wait till tomorrow so there's something daily that God wants to give you now that you can have today the problem with lots of Christians is we're living in tomorrow okay Tomorrow, one day, let's look at uh, 2 Kings 25, 30. I just get just, mm, this rouses me up here because I feel like God wants to really release something to us. Uh, so if I get rambunctious, I'm going to try not to be rambunctious about this. I got rambunctious in the first service about this. Uh, but I'm going to try not to be. As for his provision, actually I don't. I have, a, I have a rule about preaching. You preach it how you feel it. You give what you got, you go with what you have, and you don't even think about stuff like that. But I know I can be obnoxious too. And as for his provision, uh, as for his provisions, there was a regular ration given him by the king, a portion for each day. Everybody say a portion, portion for each day. All the days of his life. And that's really what the Lord's promises. He's promised us a portion today. 
And tomorrow He has another portion. And the next day another portion. All the days of our life. And so if we could begin to see that God has every day of our life numbered and counted and planned out and laid out. And yes, He has what you need in that day. That may settle some things in your heart, uh, especially you who are looking for retirement. You know, maybe if you're young, you're not thinking about stuff like that. Uh, maybe, but when you get 50, I'm almost 52, I'm starting thinking about the end of my life because I realize something. Uh, you know, I probably ain't going to live 52 more years. And if I, I do, I don't think I can just get around as well as I can. Nobody wants some old 52-year-old guy trying to preach to him and we're going to take care of you, dear pastor, when you're 104 years old. They ain't going to want to do that. These 30-year-old guys are going to come in and knock you out of the way. You're going to have to get out of their way. What's going to happen to me, Lord? I don't have a very good retirement. You see what I'm saying to you this morning? Jesus wants us to know the wrong way of living your life is wanting all of it at one time. It's like I shared earlier in the early service. I love, love January the 1st. Byron, here's your payment. Here's your wages. All your benefits that we're giving you as a church, we're going to give it to you all today because we got it today. You know, instead of every month, well, I may not get paid next week. There's no guarantee that I'm going to get paid next week. As a matter of fact, I don't care what you think today. You work for whoever you work for. There's no guarantee you're going to get paid. And that happened to me one time when I was a young man. I got my paycheck from my boss. I went to the NCNB, which is now Bank of America. Y'all didn't know that. I'm telling you something you didn't know. NCN, North Carolina National Bank. It was just a hometown bank. Then it became, became Nations Bank. Now it's Bank of America. <laughs> but I went down that Friday afternoon to cash my little paycheck. I gave it to the lady in the window, and she called, she said, Sir, we can't cash this check. There's insufficient funds in the account. And I'm thinking, wait a minute now. This is my paycheck. It ain't a personal check I'm trying. I'm trying to get the money they owe me. You And I said, no, that's my paycheck. You don't understand. Sir, I'm sorry. You don't understand. There's no money in this account. That's not, you know, you need to go back and talk to the person who gave you the check. That's not between me and you. I'm just doing what I... Ooh, that was a bad feeling. It's a bad feeling. You know? But the Lord doesn't expect us to live our lives like that. In fact, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 6.34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Matthew 6.34. Jesus said you can't worry about tomorrow. Now listen, Jesus talked about tomorrow. Jesus planned tomorrow. There's places when he talked about what he was going to do tomorrow. Paul the Apostle sat down and planned, uh, you know, where he was going to go on these missionary trips. Sometimes God changed his plans, but he had plans. I'm not saying you can't plan for tomorrow. I believe you should plan for tomorrow. I believe it's biblical. But I also believe that there's something called worry that you can't worry about tomorrow. You can't live in the what if tomorrow. I can't live. What am I going to do when I'm 75 years old? How am I going to be taken care of when I'm 70? What will my health be like when I'm 75 years old? See, God hasn't designed us to live that way. And when we live that way, we're living outside the way He's designed us. Listen to what James said. James 4, verse 13 through 14. Uh, it's talking about boasting. Uh, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. You do not know what will happen tomorrow. Everybody in this room, I want to tell you that. You do not know. Uh, 
there was a, I heard a great testimony recently by a, a pastor who was said he woke up in 1992. He lived in Kuwait at the time. He was from that part of the world, and his mama named get up right now. You know, he's sleeping late. He's a young man, teenager. He didn't want to get up as most young people don't. And she said, Kuwait has been invaded by Iraq. That's what he woke up to. Kuwait has been, and he's, he's uh, living in Kuwait. His whole life changed at that moment. He was held at gunpoint. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't have a given tomorrow. You really don't. None of us do. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Uh, most young people don't think that way, but more and more I've gotten, I've realized my life, my life is fleeting. My life is fleeting. It's gone by pretty quick. It seems like yesterday when I was running around in the yard playing army. It's a long time ago. So what we've got to see is we don't have a guarantee for tomorrow. God's not getting... Here's what your guarantee is. If you have accepted Christ this morning, you have a guarantee. This is your guarantee for tomorrow. You're in heaven. That's not a bad guarantee, is it? (laughs) It's not a bad guarantee. All this other stuff, though, really doesn't matter. All this other stuff that we're worried and plagued over, you may not have to deal with it. You may not be here. Now, here's uh, what I wanted to... Are y'all with me? Here's what I want... Now, this is the way God wants you... This is how you live in the kingdom of God. This is how you have to think. This is the way He expects you to be. He doesn't expect you to be worrying about tomorrow. Uh, Here's one thing. Um, I am a very goal-oriented person. Okay? I still have lots of goals, but this is what I learned about being goal-oriented. Goals can rule you. Okay? Goals can rule you. I live my life pursuing goals. Okay? Graduate from high school. Move away from home. Go to college. Graduate from college. Get married. Make money. Okay? Get in the ministry. All my life I've had goals. I pursued them as hard as I could. I'd have a goal. I would pursue it with everything in my heart. I would achieve the goals. I was never happy. They never satisfied me. You know why? I'm graduating from high school. Oh, I've got to go to college. I've got to get this next goal. I've got to achieve this next thing in my life. So I spent my life being driven by these goals. And guess what was happening in my life? My life was vanishing. The things that were important in my life, that I'm talking about things that really are important to you. When everything's said and done, when everything's done in your life, there's some things that are important. And those things, I was, my kids grew up. And one day I looked at my kid and my son and I said, where did he come from? I spent my life pursuing things, pursuing goals, being driven by them. And the most precious things in my life were growing up and leaving me. And I missed it. I missed it. Because all these goals... Now listen, this is the truth. God wants us to have goals. In fact, I'm going to read a scripture to you where Paul talks about goal, a goal. 
But I am telling you this, goals are not meant to rule us. We're meant to rule them. They're meant to serve us. And when your goals... I was just going... I was a maniac. I was crazy. And, uh, you know, I had to really talk to one of my kids who's real goal-oriented. And, you know, people who are goal-oriented do achieve their goals, honestly. Most of them do, or they die trying. You know? But most of them are not real happy people because God's given us this moment to live in. Um, oh, I can remember one time. This is, I'll never forget this. I had this article reading about this guy. He said... You know, I got 80 people in my church. If I could just have, you know, I think 80 people, you idiot. We got 10 people in our church. If I had 80 people, I would be in glory. Just watch. You get 80 people like, oh, if I just had, oh, if I just had. Never happy. The Lord told me one day, Byron, you're you're losing your life, son. Your life is passing before you and you're not even enjoying it. I didn't call you to live that way. I gave you a life to live and get pleasure out of. But you're missing it because you're so focused on these things that you think are going to satisfy you and they're not going to satisfy you. They're not going to satisfy you. Oh, if I just would find that right woman. You know finally found her. Then I walk in and look at the bathroom and the mess she's made. What in the world is wrong with this girl? You know, a week later, I'm upset with this wonderful person that I have thought about all my life. Take me one week and I'm aggravated with her. Nobody should be mashing the toothpaste from the center. Don't she know she's a bad influence? Now I do that. <laughs> you know, whatever goals you have really may be from the Lord, but the way you're going after them is not the Lord. Let's read Hebrews 3, 7 through 8, Brian. I thought it was Drew back there. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was calling you Drew all ago. Uh, now, this is powerful. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says... Now, I want to say one thing this, this morning, and I thought it's just probably a bad echo, but the writer of Hebrews says the Holy Spirit speaking. Now, which means he's just saying this. Y'all know that the Holy Spirit and God are the same thing, right? That's what he's trying to say. So we need to get over being afraid of the Holy Spirit and afraid of what the Holy Spirit's going to do because since he happens to be God... Okay? They're the same. The Holy Spirit and God's the same. In fact, the Holy Spirit and Jesus is the same. It's just the Spirit of Jesus. You got that? So, uh, then he says, Today, if you will hear his voice. Note the word today. Important. Today. Not tomorrow, but today. It's not what God's going to do with you tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon. It's today. You have this opportunity right now to hear his voice. Then he goes on and says this, um, Do not harden your heart as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. Do not harden your heart uh, in the rebellion. So what happened? They get in the middle of this desert and get you know, mad at God because God's not doing what they think. They're not where they think they're supposed to be in the promised land on that day and he's got them in the wilderness and they're all mad and their heart gets hardened. Turn to uh, 
Hebrews 3.13. Let's, let's read that one. But exhort one another daily, why it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And I always used to think that sin was just the thing that hardens your heart. But I'm seeing what the Bible really teaches. The Bible teaches this futuristic living hardens your heart. Because you have disconnected with the Lord the, the very essence that keeps you soft and supple. And you're living over here, and he's saying, you're not over there yet. Why are you living there? You're here. Find out what I have for you right now today. You're not married yet. Why does your life have to be such that you'll be fulfilled on that day and you can't be fulfilled now? Why? That's what God would say to everybody in this room. You can put marriage or career or money or whatever it is. Your thing that you're going after, goals you're going after. God's saying, listen, why can't you find me today? Why can't you hear me today right now? Because I've given you this. And he's saying, I'm not promising you tomorrow. He's really saying that. He's saying that to you today. I don't promise you tomorrow in terms of being on this earth. I promise you heaven. But I'm not promising that you're going to be alive in the morning. I wanted to read... Uh, anybody know who Earl Woods is? Let's see. Does anybody know who Earl Woods is? Becky knows. Marlon knows. You know who Earl Woods is or was, really? He's passed away recently. Tiger Woods' daddy. Reading golf magazines, getting messages. <laughs> Good message, Tommy. That golf magazine you gave me. It's Tommy's fault, Becky. Well, here's what Earl said. Okay, well, Earl, this is profound what he said. Earl Woods knew how to live the Christian life better than most Christians. He says, Many times I have had a hard time going to sleep because I do not want the day to end. My goal is to enjoy every minute of every day, squeeze every bit out of it that I can. I have a hard time looking ahead because I'm so involved with what's going on right now. I love living life. I love living life. God's called us to love living this life. Finding Him, then that's the way you love living it, is by finding Him in it. And that's how Earl Woods, he went on to tell that he was going to have heart surgery, and the doctor said, it was like the next morning, do you have any questions? No, I don't have any questions. You mean the doctor, you mean you're not concerned about this? No, I'm not concerned. You got your job to do. And if, if I don't wake up from this operating table, I'm good. I'm not concerned about that right now. I've got this moment right now. That's what he was telling God. I've got now. I don't have to concern myself with that. That's how the guy actually lived his life. It was incredible that he wasn't even worried about an operation the next morning, that he was living right there. He probably had his wife, his son there, and he was thinking, well, I may not, so I need to enjoy what I've got right now, my child, my daughters and son and you know, the wife there and all that, instead of worrying that I might die tomorrow, you know, fret, spend my last hours alive fretting. Pretty profound. Well, uh, here's something really good for those of you who don't care for Earl Woods' revelation. Uh, here's Catherine Coleman. Everybody knows who Catherine Coleman is. Catherine Coleman had a tremendous healing miracle in the ministry in the 50s and 60s and I guess early 70s. Uh, you know, she was just a real you know, what I call a princess bee of an anointing on this woman. And she got, she's controversial, but 
who can argue with the results? Sort of way I look at it. I don't think the devil heals people like that. Uh, but this is what she said. This is, was her philosophy about life. Uh, many times, no, sorry. The art of life is to live in the present moment. The art of life is to live in the present moments. To make that moment as perfect as we can by the realization that we are the instruments and the expression of God Himself. The instrument and the expression of God Himself. That's what she was saying. That's what I, how I see my life. I'm an instrument and expression of God Himself. That'll change your mind. And the best way to prepare for tomorrow is to make this day all that it should be. The best way to prepare for tomorrow is to make this day all that it should be. You know, God is in the now for us. Um, and that's what, you know, I've come to realize in my life, my life is happening now. It's not happening ten years from now. It's happening right now. It's not happening next year. It's happening now. It is. Now, here's something... Uh, that. So there's your goal-oriented, oriented, overdriven person. Okay. Then you have this other problem that people have. It's called living in regrets. Anybody got any regrets in their life this morning? Things you do, did, I should have never done that. I wish I wouldn't have done that. Oh, woe was me. I, <laughs> I messed up. You know, I should have never married that girl. Now here I've had to, you know, I've got a mess. Or, you know, I wish I would have married that one. <laughs> You know, I'm glad I married who I did. You know, that's just making me safe. <laughs> Actually, she knows I'm very glad I married her. She knows that very well. Um, but I think a lot of people are stuck because they live in regret. In other words, they're not living in now. They're still living in yesterday, the pain of yesterday. And here's what the Lord really is trying to emphasize to people. God wants to heal your heart. He wants to... Here's what happens when the mind of Christ starts coming into a person. It will push those thoughts out of your mind because they can't coexist together. Regret and Christ don't, there's no, you know, they cannot coexist. That's why I like to pray for people's minds that God would heal their mind. He would heal their memories so that, you know, your soul rim has these things in them. People walking around, if we could see them, they have barbs and stuff stuck in them, pain in them. Just keeping the Lord from being able to have His way there and express Himself. And God wants to heal people of that. And most of the time, it's stuff that happened to us yesterday. Some of you may have something bad happen to you today. I don't know that you may have to deal with. But um, And another thing we see, I'm not trying to you know, go on and on here, but I'm just trying to help you see something, is a lot of people in the church, especially like this, Oh, you know, when the Lord moved, it was so good back when, you know, back then, you know, this, all this crazy stuff you hear. Cool, God moved. Get over it. He's done with it. He's moved on. God's doing something else now. He's doing something today. Find out what God's doing now, today. Not, well, the renewal was great. Well, it's great, but what is God doing today? Find Him today. We must find God now in our present. Or not try to be longing for the future harvest. Well, I'm longing for it, but I'm not living there because it's not happening. Yesterday's gone. You need to quit trying to live there. There's a Bible verse in, in Isaiah that says, uh, the Lord will be our rear guard. 
that he would protect you from the past. And there's people, Isaiah 58, there's people in this room, you need to let him guard you from your past. Guard you. Now, I know people get tormented over their past, but God can guard that. He'll keep that from coming near you. Not only does he want to be with he, see, because see, here's the thing about God. God is in our past. God is in our present, and God is in our future. Because we can never escape God. He's always. He's not confined to our time that he's given us to live. So he can stop anything from back there coming to you. Because he's back there, and he has control of back there. But we have to give him permission to now here's what Paul here's the way Paul handled life okay and he had some bad paths Paul did I'm, you know he had some bad stuff he did before he was saved and he even you know had some change of philosophy about people and about ministry if you really study his life close you'll see that there was a you know he, there was a progression in his understanding of things but he said this brethren I do not count myself to, appre- to have apprehended but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. So he was just saying, look, I'm letting them things go. I'm forgetting them. I'm getting over it. I'm done with it. Get over it. You know, I'm getting over it. And you might need the Holy Spirit to touch you to help you get over it because he certainly has some powerful touches. But that can happen. And I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. All right, now this is what was ahead for Paul. It wasn't retirement. It wasn't what's going to happen next week at work. Okay, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The upward call of God in Christ. That's how he lived his life. That he saw it as an upward call, that there was more in the Spirit, there was more heavenly, there was more that. That's, when I'm looking at the future, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at more revelation, more of God revealing Himself to me, more of me living from the heavens and not living from this earth. And that's really the, the position that we have to take in this life if we're going to succeed. All right, so God wants to teach us how to live in the present and enjoy what He has for us now. Anybody want to enjoy what God has for you now? Enjoy your life. Anybody want to enjoy their children right now? I promise you, parents... If you don't, you will regret it. I promise you that. You'll regret it. They're a pleasure. You need to enjoy your spouse. And in fact, you may have a job you don't really love, but you know what? I believe you can find God there. I believe He's there. And you can find Him there. You can find Him in your circumstances. You can find Him in your situations. Today you can. Right now, not, oh, Monday morning God's there. No, God's right here for you today. Okay? Um, here's, you know, just practically some things I was asking the Lord, because right, you know, this is what I want when I say I get rid of the man stuff. We, we need to bless people. People need to be blessed in the church. They really do. They don't need this other stuff. They need blessings. They need God to help them. You know, that's what we want to do is help people. We don't want to give them something that's not going to help them. We don't want to give them just empty words. But... One of the things I believe that will help you, number one, is to acknowledge whatever it is, if you're too goal-oriented. Uh, you know, you know some of the most miserable people in the world, perfectionists? Gosh, they never get there. They never get This is literally true. I had a friend of mine one time call me, call me and beg me, say, would you come to our house and help us? We walked in their house. This was in April, and their Christmas tree was still up. It was dead. The presents were under it. 
And this is what he said. We can't open the presence because we can't make it perfect enough. Now that's extreme. That's extreme. But that's how this stuff can go, that you can be driven by something. You'll never make it perfect enough. And here it is, April, the Christmas tree. I mean, now you've got to get that thing out of your house right now. I don't want to be here if it catches on fire. So I think, one thing, you just got to acknowledge where you're at in your life. That's the first thing. And then one, second thing, you need to, let me say the, the meaning of the word, change your mind, which means repent. Just say, this is wrong. This is not what God's called me to do. This is what God called. I can go read Philippians 3 and find out what I need to change my mind to. From what it is to what I'm supposed to be. And the third thing, which is really practical, I mean, I mean all of it's practical, but it's thankfulness. Is you need to learn to cultivate an attitude of thankfulness for what you have, not what you don't have. In other words, when you pull up to your house, you need to look at that house. Thank you, Lord, for that house I got. I really thank you for. I thank you for this car I'm right that's riding me up this driveway right this moment, and the gas that's in it. Even though I don't know if I'll have gas money for tomorrow, but I can get here from here to there today. I believe as we cultivate a, a heart of thankfulness, then there's a faith that can get released in us that helps us to see the way the Lord sees, to see our lives the way He's designed us to live our lives. That's our daily bread. That's what daily bread really is. I, I really believe the Lord wants to help some people this morning. I believe He wants to set some of you free from yesterday. Regrets of yesterday. I believe He wants to get some of you like, okay, Mr. Goal, you will no longer be my master. You will be my slave. You're here to help me. I'm not here to satisfy you, Mr. Goal. You know? You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? Now, this is how the Lord wants... I'm telling you, I believe this is how we, the material and the spiritual connect. This is how we live our kingdom of God lifestyle. This is, this is one of the ways. So I want to ask you this morning, if the Holy Spirit spoke to you, if you would like prayer, we're going to end on that. We're going to get some couple people from the ministry team if you'd come up and just... If anybody really wants the Lord to help you in that area and just... You know, we'll pray for you and ask God to touch your mind and heal you this morning and get you into that favor, daily bread lifestyle that God um, has for you. Amen.